The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Each business is unique and operated individually of others in the same industry. What they have in common is the potential path to success. Welcome to The Second Stage with your hosts, Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. In today's program, we'll address the obstacles that many businesses find on that path to success and discuss what entrepreneurs and their businesses are doing to stay ahead of the curve. Now, here's Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Second Stage. This is Brendan Anderson. And this is Jeff Cadlick. Uh, we got another good show this week, Brennan. This is, uh, you know, we, we were on a streak here. This is exciting, Jeff. We're, you know, as you, this is exciting because <laughs> we're learning a lot the last couple weeks also. So this is uh, a little scary how, uh, how crazy that stuff is out there. Well, what do, what do you always say about entrepreneurship, Brennan? Just get going? Just no, get- it's continual. It's ongoing. Oh, you and I do this right. all the time, and we still right. don't know what we're talking about. When you stop so learning, when you stop learning, it's over. Right. That, that is exactly every day. that. That is exactly right. That's it. That, you know what? You're done for the day. That was I the am. smartest. You, I'm going to go read a book. <laughs> I'm going to go read an entrepreneurial book. Jeff, I also decided. I don't know if you know this or not, but you know, we record these on Mondays. I'm thinking the way you and I, you know, kind of like to have a cocktail and you know reminisce. I think we may we may have to start recording these on Fridays. I'm just I'll throw that for Thursdays or Fridays. I'll just throw that out there as a general concept and idea. Well, you're you're talking to a semi-alcoholic here, Good. and so uh, you know I don't see any problems with drinking on Monday. So oh, you get your, okay. you get your right. I apologize. I apologize. Yeah, so, uh, anyway. You know, got to calm the nerves. Got to calm the nerves. Anyway, all right. So this week, um, we've got a, a great and uh, a timely topic on year-end tax planning uh, with with uh, one you of our plan, guests. You can plan for taxes, Jeff? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. you have to. You have oh, to because oh, – That is you, a very good point because it is, in fact, a big expense. Exactly. You don't want the government planning for you. So, I understand they're uh, not very patient. <laughs> and we know how that's gone over the last few weeks with Obamacare. So anyway, set that aside. Uh, but we do have some great uh, follow-up from last week. Is that not right, Brennan? Yeah, I, it's, uh, it seems, uh, Jeff, the, the biggest questions um, are centered around really the cost to, to kind of protect a, a patent or protect you know, some of these intellectual property, the trademarks, or in the, some of the things that we did. And I figured there's no better person to answer that question than you since you kind of uh, spearheaded our, our legal spending in that, in that category. Well, you know how I like to spend money. Uh, yes, and- you do. And unfortunately, it's it's another one of those things. It's not a straight answer. Uh, as as we went back through what we've done over the past several years, um, you know, we're trying to simplify the the process a little bit to give people a relatively straight answer. And what we've done a lot of, as you know, Brendan, is we use service marks, which is related to a business service as opposed to a trademark, which is more related to a product. So all of our filings, uh, intent to use applications and that sort of thing has to do with service marks. And 
there are different classes that you can file and you can have very broad service mark definitions or descriptions or, and very narrow ones. And all of that plays into the ultimate cost of, of the filing because there is the more back and forth that you have with the trademark office and discussing whether or not you're actually entitled to that service mark or that trademark, you know, and that there's an attorney involved generally, uh, you know, certainly adds adds to the cost. Uh, but if you're going to really, if you're going to, it's going to go as smoothly as possible from filing to registration, as far as we can tell, it costs about 1500 bucks, you know, more or less. Um, and that's, that's, for my, that's, most- that's my kind of number, Jeff. That's a good number. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's for one class. Now, if it's more more classes, I don't think it doubles, but it's that's just for one class straight through. Not a lot of back and forth. Now, the other element to this conversation, obviously, is patents, and patents is uh, a different story. It's a much more complex process, and as a result, it's much more uh, expensive. Uh, because it is relatively exhaustive and you're asking a specialist, an attorney, oftentimes to artfully craft your claims to provide a very detailed description uh, and that sort of thing. And, and as a result, that can cost in a relatively you know, um, straightforward process anywhere from five to $15,000. So it is a much more expensive process. And Added a whole zero there. That, was, uh, that would have yeah. been painful. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, but so, in theory, uh, but in theory, that's a that's a that's something probably more valuable uh, if if you decide to chase it. So um, that would make sense. So that that's that uh, that trade secret idea then kind of works into play, which would be more uh, more my kind of uh, spending category. Also, hey Jeff, I, I also thought it would be, would be interesting to kind of go back and to talk about when we were working on uh, the accurate uh, building the accurate group, and, and ultimately, uh, you know, when they moved on to a to a bigger partner. Uh, there were uh, certain issues that you confronted uh, and, and when we were uh, kind of working on trying to prove to them that we owned the software that was developed during our tenure. And maybe you talk a little bit about, about how we – the issues we ran into and how we got around them. Yeah, you know, the, the, the important point here uh, was that this is actually before we – you know, they, they had gotten, you know, the base platform of the software written before we had owned it. Uh, owned or had made our investment into the, the Accurate Group. And so the issue that the ultimate uh, buyer of the Accurate Group had was that they wanted to make sure that they had clear title to the software and uh, didn't really want anybody to make any future claims because they were making a huge investment in the business and they are going to continue to reinvest in, in the platform. So what we ended up doing to satisfy their concerns was that we went back to the contractors uh, and, and requested that we execute a bill of sale and an assignment of rights, essentially, uh, to document uh, the, the, you know, the work that was done, you know, the year, years before. Uh, and then, obviously, for individuals, it was more of a, you know, work for hire type of a situation. Again, all of it was really around making sure that we had clear title to all of the, the, the work and that no one else could claim after they had put millions more into the, the platform that they uh, had, a, a, had a stake in it, if you will. Hi, Jeff, as you know, we're, we're over on the first segment again, but uh, um, 
uh, maybe talk about lessons learned. I mean, there, you, in, 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 fundamentally, I think, uh, you know, there's a way to tackle that up front. I mean, getting this stuff uh, documented, uh, you know, clarifying the ownership of the of the intellectual property before you hire people, before you hire contractors, and obviously addressing that with employees in advance. It's really something that's, that's very often overlooked by entrepreneurs that we, you know, uncover in almost every deal we look at where there's been some sort of software written. you agree with that? I, I do. And, you know, as you know, when you're getting started, it's all about resources. And particularly when things are relatively complex, as we've discovered uh, on this issue, uh, you know, having somebody or some expertise here is, is helpful. I think the rule of thumb for us is anytime you're coming up with something that's going to be a core capability or something that you're investing money in, then you really got to stop back and think to make sure that you've got it well documented and that you've got it protected and, and so on and so forth. And that's a very simple you know, rule of thumb to think about. So, um, but as you point out, Brendan, uh, you know, we've gone uh, quite a bit over here in the first segment. But as always, I just want to remind everyone that, you know, this is a forum and we want everybody to participate. We want to provide actual advice and have you continue the dialogue through comments and questions on our blog at evolutioncp.com. Uh, you can also email us at the second stage at evolutioncp.com or even call us at 866-472-5790 uh, and just volunteer your experiences as any solutions that you are able to, uh, to uh, uh, discover and, um, or just simply ask some questions. I also, last housekeeping moment here for this first segment is that um, I want to always thank McGladry. Uh, is a leading provider of assurance, tax, and consulting services focused on small and mid-sized businesses nationwide to more than 6,700 people in 75 U.S. cities. And as always, uh, these are folks that we've used extensively. Uh, our guest, Bruce McAuliffe, uh, is a uh, tax partner at McGladry. And uh, um, so we will have him on and certainly thank him for uh, helping sponsor the second stage. And with that, we're going to sign off the first segment and uh, we'll be back here shortly to to get into year-end tax planning on the second stage. Thanks for tuning in. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. How can we Americans realize our dreams to earn a living? How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? Learn how at The American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel or listen on demand to our archived shows. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. 
Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait, they just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the second stage. Um, we will talk about year-end tax planning, which is the, uh, the the annual pain point for a lot of small business owners. And and like a, all the advice that that we give here on the second stage, we really want to pr- make it actionable. And we think all of our guests have done a really good job with that. And uh, and Bruce will too. We had a chance to talk to him. And and like a lot of our guests, we've worked with Bruce extensively, and we know that uh, he's very good at what he does. But Really, uh, you need to get started on these things and and, and take ownership of them and um, uh, to build your business. So, with that, I want to uh, introduce uh, Bruce McAuliffe. Uh, he's the director of tax services at McLadry. And uh, Bruce, I've been popping off about McLadry every week because you're sponsors of the second stage, which we appreciate very much. But what that leads to is is that the bar has been raised because I've been telling everybody uh, every week how how you know how great McLadry is. So. Uh, most of our guests don't have the bar set quite as high. In fact, we try to set it low on purpose. But this one, there's nothing I can do for you, Bruce. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, th- thanks, Bruce, for joining us. You know, it's it's interesting. Um, what, at Evolution, we have five pillars of uh, of you know to kind of really a business success to let the business the business owner work on their business instead of in the business. And really, the first one is great financial statements and detailed financial statements. And and uh, although you know Jeff and I preach and and uh, here at Evolution we preach about really just that that's that's almost that's the pillar to get out there and 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 really run and run the business, which obviously sure makes uh, great financial statements makes uh, this discussion a whole lot easier i would assume um hey bruce and, and so i guess that was a lead into the first pillar and i guess i sure hope that everybody out there is uh, taking that to heart and is out there uh, and, and is, is starting to produce some really good numbers um the uh maybe bruce talk a little bit about you know kind of what things are what things have changed from 2012 to 2013 and what you know what are some of the business owners facing coming into the end of this year Sure. Um, as you guys can both appreciate, 2012 was a year of uncertainty. 
um, about a year ago right now, as you guys were um, getting to exit uh, one of your companies, um, there was a lot of activity at this time of year because we didn't know where rates were going. We had a a pretty good understanding that they were going to most likely go up, but as of December 31st, 2012, we still had nothing in law, and um, there was a lot of activity to um, close deals at the for- during the fourth quarter of 2012 to guarantee for those individuals uh, a-, a lower capital gains rate on the exit of their business. With this year, we don't have as much uncertainty. Um, the law is in place, and there's very uh, little appetite, I think, um, from from a congressional standpoint to introduce any new legislation that may um, cause a lot of ruffles. You know, as we know, we couldn't even balance the budget and uh, had a government shutdown for uh, 16 days. So, I think the, the laws that are in place and, and what is set to sunset um, will most likely sunset, unless it's you know a strong public policy um, that. Um, is generally extended or renewed every two years. But with that being said, um, the corporate rates have not changed. They haven't changed in a number of years. Um, but for 2013, we now face, for individuals, uh, the highest individual rate of 39.6%, and we haven't seen that in almost a decade. Um, so the, you know, the Bush-era tax cuts um, you know, provided a lot of um, you know, cushion during the economic downturns of 2013. 2001, and then obviously during the Great Recession uh, of 2008 up until, you know, about a year ago. Um, So with that being said, you know, individuals are facing a a much higher rate, so there's uh, more emphasis on year-end tax planning for the individuals. Um, Most of the, probably your listeners, uh, their businesses are structured so that, you know, the owners themselves pay uh, tax on the taxable income, you know, whether they're... Yeah, and Bruce, really, as you can imagine, almost all of ours are, you know, we rarely run into a C corporation in our world, so it's all LLCs or S's, but you're dead on there. So that's why I think, you know, some of the, the items here that are, are, are um, now applicable um, are even more relevant. So the individual highest rate is up now to 39.6%. Um, there is now the what we call the Obamacare tax, which is a tax on net investment income, which is an additional 3.8% for those you know, above a certain threshold that they weren't um, taxed to before. And then uh, self-employed and wage, wage earners, Earning over two hundred thousand have an additional point nine percent that they weren't normally uh, subject to prior to this. So I think so Bruce, Bruce, I'm sorry. Is, is, yeah. Did you say it was thirty nine point six plus three point eight plus point oh nine? Is that well? I mean, is that well for so for um, ordinary income, your rate would be thirty nine point six. Um, it could also be increased by another three point eight percent on your net investment income. So you're looking at you know close to forty four. 45 percent. Um, you know, we haven't seen those rates in so long. I mean, most people were capped out at 35 percent. So Je- I Jeff, think I'm, a- Jeff, I'm looking to start drinking right now too. What, <laughs> right. Well, or reduce your or reduce your income. Oh, well, that, okay. Well, that's, <laughs> you know, that, that's where that's where that's where planning can come into play. Um, the thresholds are are posted and published. They aren't indexed for inflation, but if you have the ability to time certain types of income to keep you below a certain threshold for a certain year so that you don't cross that threshold and will not subject yourself to that certain you know, 3.8% tax, 
you know, you, you want to start thinking about this early on. Um, you know, tax planning is a is a multi year process, um, but the touch points you should have, you know, should begin around September, November uh, every year, if not throughout the year, um, so that you know you can foresee these um, planning opportunities and work with your advisor, so that when it comes to April fifteenth, you're not um, flabbergasted and writing a check for fifty thousand dollars that you were not totally expecting at all, and it didn't. Uh, kick yourself for not having that ability to plan earlier on. Can you give me some ideas of like what sort of things that you can pl- you know what you can plan? Or I mean, are you talking about effectively moving income? For, I mean, moving income being like delaying income, or tell me some of the some of the other g- just general ideas in that sure. regard. So I mean, there, there are two ways to you know um, not pay tax legally: is to defer tax or take advantage of permanent deductions or permanent credits. Um, what generally you're in planning involves is um, tax deferral. So you're trying to either accelerate uh, deductions in the current year if you're on a cash basis, which a lot of the small businesses are on the cash basis that are, that are permitted to be on the cash basis. So to the extent you have the ability to accelerate deductions in the current year and or um, post revenue into the following year, um, you can manipulate your effective tax rate um, by taking advantage of uh, the timing of your deductions and income. It, and, so, and is that, I mean, is that as simple as, obviously on a cash basis, as simple as, you know, de- delaying uh, the collection of a receivable from December to January? Or give me some ideas of what, what, you know, what sort of thing. And obviously the accrual basis would be a little, a little more difficult, I would assume. Correct. Yeah, the accrual basis, you don't have as much flexibility. Um, but for the cash basis, you could uh, uh, not uh, issue invoices uh, in the last few weeks of the year. Um, uh it's when you receive a check is when you actually record that revenue. It's not when you perform those services or deliver that product. Those rules apply to the accrual basis. So if you can, to the extent possible, um, delay your invoicing um, until the following year, you can effectively reduce that gross revenue from your, from your bottom line. So Bruce, because I'm a simple guy, so well, I'm a ridiculously simple guy. But uh, so, so basically, there are some small businesses out there, and this is in my terms, that are on cash basis. And what that effectively means, if you're on a cash basis reporting, is that you don't really recognize the revenue um, until you cash the check, and then you, and this is, and then you, you can recognize the expense when you when you write the check. Is that is that largely true? That is 100 percent accurate. Um, you can also take advantage of a credit card is deemed to be um, uh, a charge is deemed to be putting you on um, the cash basis as well. So even though you may owe the credit card company for that charge, um, it's still deemed to be a cash payment. So um, most people don't realize that they can also use their credit card, uh, small business owners, uh, to incur an expense, even though you may not pay it until the following year. Lower taxes and free miles. How awesome is that? No, there you go. <laughs> um, no, that's. In the, but from in 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 um and Bruce, I don't know the answer to this one. The if, if you're on accrual, is there other things you can do there, or it just or is it a lot tougher? It, it doesn't permit as much flexibility. Um, you may consider some. You know, if you're having a profitable year. Um, and want to reward some of the, the folks, including yourself as the business owner, for the hard work that's uh, been uh, attributable to the, the year-end profit, you may consider accruing some bonuses. Um, you may consider um, accruing for a profit-sharing plan contribution, um, which is obviously discretionary. Um, you just want to be careful of the timing of the actual payment. So for an accrual basis taxpayer, 
you have the ability to accrue compensation um, and generally deduct and have that deductible, for, let's say, for 2013, so long as it's paid by March 15th of the following year. Um, and for a, an accrual or a cash basis taxpayer, you can accrue a profit-sharing contribution and have that actual contribution not actually funded until the following year with the extended due date of the return. So it gives you a lot of uh, chance to use um, timing in order to uh, you know, take a deduction currently but not actually fund it until um, much later in the following year. Okay. All right. So, so if my I'm, my business is doing very well this year, let's say, and um, and so the other other ways to possibly mi- uh, minimize the corporate tax rate or the or the flow through tax rate is that you have any more thoughts there? Well, I mean, I, I would say that you know, time is of the essence. If you're interested in setting up a profit sharing or a 401k plan, you have until the end of this year or the end of your taxable year to set that plan up. So, if you're contemplating um, some, you know rewarding yourself and or other employees for, for some hard work, you know, you'd want to consider setting those plans up um, by year end uh, in order for those to be effective for deduction purposes for 2013. And I suspect, you know, I think, I think the, um, I think the, the, is it fair to say that for most entrepreneurs or out there, you know, the, the tax deferral issues are really, like you said, it's really a deferral. It's something that, that you, you either are going to recognize an expense that really has to be paid, whether it's your accruing for bonuses or 401ks or profit sharing or whatever. So you're recognizing an expense that, you know, may not have to be get paid right away. But, but fundamentally, they are, you know, they are expenses or they, or it's just a deferral. And maybe just talk about that, I mean, that a little bit, uh, kind of, a little more generically. Sure. I mean, the art of, of, of tax planning is when you speak about you know, deferral of expenses or deferral of income is to try to put it into uh, a year in which you are going to be in a lower tax bracket. So if you're going to be in a high tax bracket this year, you'd want to accelerate your deductions to this year. If next year you're going to be in a higher tax bracket, you may want to um, pull some of that income into this year. So it, it's, it's an art, and you're trying to, you know, place that um, profit, if you will, that taxable profit into a year where you best think you're going to have a lower tax bracket. So in the years of retirement, hopefully, you'll be in a lower tax bracket. So any deferred income that you may set aside into, let's say, a 401k plan, and if there's a profit-sharing element from the business, hopefully, that will be pulled out and taxable in a year where you have a much lower tax rate. So that's truly the art there. Um, You know, Thinking also from 2013 standpoint, um, and this would apply to both, you know, accrual or tax basis uh, taxpayers businesses, is that the bonus depreciation that we've been, you know, been exper- you know, we've been uh, eligible for for the last decade is set to expire this year. So, if you have the flexibility that you know you're going to have some significant capital expenditures or acquisitions in the next year or two, if you could push those into 2013. If you do, you can get up to a 50% write-off, basically a 50% bonus depreciation in the year of acquisition and placed in service. So if you have any uh, thoughts of acquiring equipment or major CapEx expenses, you'd want to put those into 2013 because that um, provision is set to expire at the end of this year. And there hasn't been any indication from Congress that it would um, be extended. And Bruce, is that? And I'm sorry, Jeff gave me the signal to sign off, but I, I just wanted to consider that or continue that for a second. Mm-hmm. Is that the is that the section 179? Um, well, actually, or, there, or is that no, different? Actually, that is different. So, 
the bonus depreciation, you know, in general, gives you much more flexibility. Um, the only hang-up on that is that it has to be new equipment um, or the first first-time use equipment. Section 179 can be um, used equipment, but the, there is no limit on the amount of bonus depreciation that can be taken uh, during a current year. And it can create a loss. Section 179, however, has some other requirements that says you cannot create a loss with that. You can only bring it to a break-even point, and um, you're also limited on the amount of taxable, excuse me, property placed in service for that year. So there are some caps on Section 179, which, by the way, is set to go back to some much lower thresholds uh, after 1231-2013. So whether you take advantage of Section 179 or bonus depreciation, 2013 is the year that you should uh, consider placing those assets in service in order to take um, the maximum deduction and increase your cash flow. No, that's that's very helpful. I, I, you know, we've been a lot of our small businesses have been, uh, you know, obviously, I encourage, I stress for all entrepreneurs out there, don't buy the equipment unless you really, really need it, because at the end of the day, you do have to pay for it. But for those people that know that they need the investment, the, the those that stepped up depreciation has been something we've been using a great deal. All right, Jeff, I'm only a couple minutes over. All right, that's good. This is a good discussion, though. Uh, we will be uh, we're going to take another brief break here and be back to you very shortly with Bruce McAuliffe of McGladry discussing year-end tax planning here on the second stage. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand, twenty-four-seven. Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind. With host Chris Cooper, you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. These people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more. Be More, Achieve More can be heard live Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Time Management. We all talk about it, we constantly work on it, and we all wonder what more we could be doing. Take Charge of Your Productivity identifies the 10 key elements that are part of the focus for high performers. It then integrates energy management into the time management equation. Tune in for insightful interviews, key strategies, and tips to help you create the balance you crave and deserve. Join Penny Zenker as she presents Take Charge of Your Productivity on Monday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. How do you feel about the future? Tune in each week for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. You can be a great leader by learning from the inspiring stories of amazing visionaries who are shaping our future. Everyone deserves to create their own vision, and Kate and her guests will share the tools that you need to make it happen. Make a weekly visit to the Voice America Business Channel for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Be inspired. Become inspiring. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. 
To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the show, The Second Stage. This is our show, but it's a forum, and we're looking for input from you so that we can benefit from everyone's experience. Uh, You can uh, uh, continue the dialogue after the show or even during the show on our blog at evolutioncp.com. Uh, you can email questions to us at the second stage at evolutioncp.com, and we can ask Bruce your questions during the podcast. Or we can, um, you can certainly call in at 866-472-5790. Uh, we're here with Bruce McAuliffe of McGladry, our sponsor, talking about year-end tax planning. All right. I, we were uh, just kind of finishing up last uh, the last session talking about some of the stepped-up depreciation, whether it's the bonus or Section 179. And I encourage anybody that uh, owns a small business, especially if you've if you've purchased equipment um, in the last year, to to look into that. It's something like so we we've, we've used for years, and it sounds like I didn't fully realize this till now that, that a lot of those uh, those programs get uh, stepped down next year. Yeah, Bruce. You know, I, we uh, our. our uh, our listeners do love, uh, you know, the the kind of the overlooked tax savings ideas, and maybe we can get into a little more of those. Uh, some of the other, some of the other things like the stepped up depreciation and other other great uh, things out there, we can uh, we can put to use. Sure, I think um, uh, two areas that uh, offer a permanent um, tax savings are the areas of credits, um, and I'm talking about you know the federal credits that are available for uh, certain types of expenditures um, that are basically designed to help. Uh, uh, motivate industry or manufacturers and taxpayers uh, to a specific outcome. And one of the uh, tax credits that I feel that is totally underutilized and maybe not even that taxpayers are aware of is what's called a work opportunity tax credit, or what we call in our industry the WATC. And what this is is this is a um, credit that the government has um, had since I believe Ronald Reagan's era that can range anywhere from twelve hundred to ninety six hundred dollars per employee, and that's a credit. So uh, that's a dollar for dollar reduction of your tax. You know, it holds a lot more weight than a, a deduction. It's a offset against your uh, federal tax liability. And what the er- the work opportunity tax credit was designed to do was it was tr- designed to encourage employers to hire from certain targeted groups that have historically have had difficulty um, uh, obtaining employment. So veterans, um, felons, uh, those that are on food stamps, um, uh, and even summer youth. Um, and it ranges, like I said, between $1,200 and $9,600 per employee. Um, and that's a one-time credit, but it can significantly raise your, reduce your taxes if you screen your employees right away and have them certified with your uh, your state's Department of Labor within 28 days of employment, you can take a significant tax credit. And you know, we've seen the statistics uh, that the Department of Labor gives out on businesses that actually take this credit, and it's significantly lower than you would imagine. So it's a, um, a little-known credit that I think that a lot of people should be aware of and ask their, ask their tax advisor on um, what they need to do to uh, take advantage of this. Um, Bruce, another, Bruce, yeah. Bruce, before you, before we roll into that one, let me let me let me beat that one up a little bit. So, so when if you if you hire uh, somebody from one of those categories, I mean, is is it as simple as filling out a form, or I mean, tell me from an entrepreneur's perspective, you know, how how detailed a form does this have to be? Because you know, that's that could be a lot of money. 
it is a lot of money, um, but the the effort that's required to put into it is is pretty minimal. But the key here is is the timing. So I think I'd mentioned that you have to have the individual, the new hire, um, uh, complete the survey and the form on or before the date of hire on that date or the day bef- days before and submit that to your state's Department of Labor for certification that they are part of one of these um, targeted groups. There's 10 targeted groups. And once you have that return from the uh, Department of Labor, it's as, it's as easy as claiming that credit on a form on your tax return. But the okay. key, again, is the timing, is to, is to have that, that new hire certified within 28 days. But you have to have the form before they join. Correct, and that form is available either on the U.S. Department of Labor's website and or the IRS's website. So um, that form is available. Um, just look up the WOTC credit, and you'll find that form. I got to tell you, Bruce, I like to complain a lot. I, I, you, you don't know me that well, but that drives me nuts that the government would, would uh, force the entrepreneur to fill that out in advance. I mean, the, the entrepreneurs that are out there doing and hiring and so forth, it's it, it, I, there's got to be a better way than that. But I know you write the code, so I'll stop. What's, give, me, <laughs> give me some more candy. Give me some more good stuff out there that, uh, that we can uh, potentially lower our taxes. And also, quite frankly, it sounds like we're, you know, the people that took advantage of, the, uh, of that uh, credit you know, did some good stuff for, uh, for some good people. Too. Correct. So there's um, the, the research and development tax credit um, is often frequently overlooked, um, and I think it's because most small business owners see R and D as white coats and beakers, um, and it's not as you know black and white as that. Um, it's 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 anything that you know is developing new or improved products, um, increasing automation, um, you know the, the attempt to use new materials. Um, and developing production equipment. So most businesses may not realize that they are actually, you know, incurring research and development costs that could be eligible for a tax credit. So, you know, I, I do say that we have to proceed with caution with this because they, um, they should document, well, you know, what these costs are and not just claim the credit, you know, blindly on the return, but they have to be aware that this credit is available and they should look into it. To, to, tell me how we would look into it, because I, you know, I I've heard about that credit for a long time, but we've never, uh, you know, it's not something we've ever looked into, just because it just seemed like the mountain to climb was so large. It just it just seemed so well. The, the main the, the main mountain to climb is actually having um, the documentation in place. Historically, the IRS has challenged um, a lot of these credits because people would just blindly take that credit and say R and D. $10,000, multiply it by the credit percentage, and take that credit on the return without really going through the processes of documenting what um, uh, historically has been their process of research and development. So the key here is to, is to engage, whether it's your tax advisor or an outside firm, to discuss, you know, where can I, you know, and how best to document and have some, you know, booklet in place so that if I am audited, I have a defensible position, so it does take some legwork in trying to develop. You know, a, you know, basically you're you're summarizing your work um, that uh, is attributable to research and development, and putting a percentage of certain person's wages on because you know, wages and supplies are basically what are eligible for the credit. So it does take some some work, but you know, depending on the size of your organization, it may not take that much. Is that something that McGladrick would would? do for or help a help a client fill out or complete well we can either do it for them or a lot of times the clients are cost conscious and we can assist them and facilitate them with 
you know, the documentation process. So, you know, the key again is the documentation and we can put them in the right direction and keep costs to a minimum. And I think a lot of firms out there will do that for their clients. And so I assume part of that is just giving the client a good idea of what information needs to be collected and what what backup data needs to be there. And if they could if they could collect the inf- the information in the in the cost data, is that is that a, a, a big a big piece of it, or what else would would that entail? Well, that that is that is a big piece of it. Um, you know, if we can point the client in the direction without having us um, do most of the legwork, it can significantly reduce their costs, but make the process a lot easier because we're you know, providing those guardrails so they're not chasing a rabbit down the hole with, um, and documenting information that just isn't needed. So we can provide them with the guidance and the template um, to have a properly documented uh, research and development um, tax credit uh, substantiation packet. All right. Uh, do you have any, any, uh, any more good uh, credits for me? Uh, any good credits? Um, those are any good, other overlooked tax saving credits. Sorry, um, the uh, the um, there are some energy credits that are available, and and those again are set to expire soon. So, um, you know, a lot of businesses that are expanding may um, have um, green energy or. Um, you know, efficient electrical systems that may qualify for an energy credit. Okay. Hey, I, I, I would throw out I throw out a couple of you know a couple of the things that we've done in the past and, and get your reaction to them is for the self-employed people. You know, we you know I, we some of these retirement plans, these SEPs and so forth, which we, you talked about earlier, are fantastic. And uh, we uh, we bought some facilities and did some cost segregation studies. And so I mean, it's all like you said, it's all about deferral. But I just thought I'd just throw a couple of those out there and see whether you're see, you're seeing much of that stuff. Well, I think the cost segregation studies are. Um a, a, a tool that is going to become even more popular. They, they kind of lost favor with the uh, the bonus depreciation um, because right. uh, a lot of the assets were uh, eligible for almost immediate write-off, especially when we had the 100% write-off. So there wasn't as much um, you know push to have a cost segregation study done. But I think for years um, 2014 and later when we don't have um, the bonus depreciation available, that will definitely pick up in terms of let's think about how we can accelerate some of our deductions because otherwise what you end up doing is lumping everything in as either 39-year or 27-and-a-half-year, depending on you know the building's uh, life, whether it's residential or commercial, and not being able to take a deduction for certain components that may be eligible for a five-year write-off. And some of those right. components are, are, are pretty significant dollar amounts. All right, so so Bruce, I, uh, I Jeff's dying to talk about C corps and S corps, and I've left him a whopping like minute <laughs> well, and a half for two minutes. Yeah. But, but no, but ahead, you Jeff. know, we, we only have a couple minutes here, Bruce. But I, I did want to ask a question, uh, and and maybe it doesn't have anything to do with year end tax plan. It's just a general tax housekeeping issue. But is it worth considering converting a C corp to an S corp or an LLC at the end of the year? And mind you, we have about. Two minutes to answer a very sure. potentially complicated question. But if you run over, it wouldn't be any big deal because we do that all the time. <laughs> sure. Um, I think it's a conversation you should have um, if you are a C corporation with your tax advisor. Um, converting a C to an S potentially has the least amount of tax ramifications or at least tax costs, but the potential for a significant upside. Um, and one of the questions you're going to have to ask yourself are, are the shareholders of the C corporation eligible to be S corp shareholders? Um, is are there significant built-in gains? Um, if your cash basis, um, all receivables that you have are are unrealized gains that would be 
subject to what's called the built-in gains tax when they are collected. But if you're a straight, let's say, small manufacturer that's been on the accrual basis um, and you have eligible shareholders uh, and don't exceed a certain number of those shareholders, you know, thinking about converting from a C to an S would significantly eliminate the uh, likelihood of double taxation. So it's it's something to worth con- worth considering. Um, converting a C corp to an LLC always is not um, that cost effective unless there's very little substantial appreciation because that is a taxable event. Um, converting from a C to an S is not a taxable event. It's only taxable when you su- sell subsequent to that election assets that had appreciated while you were a C-Corp, uh, and they're sold within a 10-year period after you convert. So if you have a building within that C-Corp that um, has appreciated significantly, um, and you sell that within a 10-year period after you convert to um, S, then you have a, a built-in gains tax, which is taxed at the normal corporate rates. But in terms of the, the income that's being thrown off of that uh, corporation, it's only subject to one level of tax, um, and that's to the shareholder themselves. So it, it does make sense to at least discuss that and, and to do it earlier on. If you're going to hold on to your company for a while and, and you want to take advantage of it, do it now before those assets um, appreciate, because hopefully those assets are appreciating, and you want to minimize that potential built-in gains tax if um, you eventually do sell those assets during that 10-year period. Mm-hmm. You know, Bruce, with that uh, point, you're starting to get out of my pay grade. So <laughs> we're going to end the conversation there. And look, Bruce, uh, Brendan and I uh, really appreciate McGladry supporting us. This has uh, been a big help to us getting the second stage off the ground. And um, uh, we've really appreciated all the, that you've done for Evolution as well. So uh, with, with that, um, with that butt kissing of our sponsor, we're going to <laughs> end this segment and uh, be back to you very, very shortly to finish out the second stage for this week. Thank you, my Thank pleasure. Bruce. Thank you. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Tune in every week for the Ellis Martin Report. Our program will bring you the news and information that you need each week. We look at publicly traded small and mid-cap companies from a variety of sectors. We'll talk to key people in the industry to bring you the foreground and background of new and -and up-and-comers for potential investment. Please remember, invest only at your own risk. The Ellis Martin Report is meant for information purposes only. Tune in every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. 
You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Hey everybody! This is like the greatest thing ever. Somehow Jeff's fallen away and uh, can't listen, can't chime in. So I get to uh, talk to you guys about small businesses and taxes and all that sort of stuff. Um, which uh, you know, I, I I only have six seven minutes to do it, but uh, I uh, I can easily spend much much more time than that. We uh, obviously really appreciate Bruce McAuliffe of uh, McGladry for 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 dialing in, and uh, we literally uh, uh, McGladry has been wonderful in helping us not only with some of the U.S. tax. Uh, uh, in, in financial reporting laws, but uh, we do uh, we have uh, some companies that operate in, in other countries and uh, have some investors that are from other countries, and they have been wonderful in helping us think that stuff through. So, um, you know, I, I, I think um, it's important to realize when you are uh, you know kind of thinking about taxes and so forth, it just kind of continues to really. Um, f- Really bring the focus back to great financial statements and great vision and, pl- and planning cash and understanding what's going on in your business and so forth. I mean, it's something that um, you know it's it's very difficult to plan taxes when you when you don't have that information. And so, um, you know, again, I go back to our first pillar of great financial statements and know your cash flow, um, which then you know lets you create the plan. And uh, you know, part of that plan is this uh, is um, the uh, you know the, the the tax planning and so forth. So, um, you know, we uh, I, I also would like to uh, talk another subject that we see every single day, which is um, in the um, in the in the plan to reduce uh, taxes. Uh, many um, small business owners, entrepreneurs, run a, a good deal of personal expenses through um, their income statements, and um, um, you know, it's it's something that is uh, you know pretty widespread, and I, I just I, I really caution um, uh, any business owner to really focus on and look at the expenses and make sure that they are business expenses and make sure they are related to the business. Um, you know, it, it's definitely something that entrepreneurs have gotten very very comfortable with pushing all the limits, and. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, if it's if it's if it's business related, if there really is a, a viable reason to do it, um, or to you know to expense it, then then you should strongly consider doing it. But we uh, literally, is that you, Jeff? Yeah, I, I've I've got to pay my Skype bill. I thought it was free. Apparently, it's not. Cause it just logged <laughs> me out. <laughs> You know, there's a little. I got a little echo. So, you know, I, I was Jeff. I was just kind of talking about personal expenses and how you know we see it. We talk to obviously you know hundreds of entrepreneurs uh, a year, and and how um, you know the the fact that that you know the the personal expenses that are going through the income statement, it's 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 something that they need to be aware of, and and a lot of people you know kind of consider that tax planning. Um, so it's just it's just something that. Um, um, just really make sure that you've thought that stuff through and that you have documents for the expenses that you're that you're uh, that you're claiming. Yeah, you know, and a lot of what Bruce started getting into towards the end of the conversation is probably uh, you know for a little bit more of a sophisticated business, but I thought it was was very very clear and concise. And you know, you, you need to talk to uh, your tax accountant. Uh, and keep them in the loop so that you don't have the surprises, which is where he really started the whole conversation off with was you don't want to have to write a $50,000 check, and unexpectedly a $50,000 check, um, because you, you didn't plan correctly. 
And Jeff, you know, it, it's 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 you know, I'll take it a step further. That if, if you're if if as a business owner or entrepreneur, and you're unable to give your um, your advisors really good financials, and again, I'm just going to beat this pillar to death. But if you're if you're unable to give them great financials and able to predict how the how the you know the last quarter or the last two quarters are going to go, it, it it really makes it makes planning almost impossible. So it it, it uh, in in not only planning for the you know to try to defer or, or gain uh, access to some of those credits, uh, but it also makes it you know very difficult to uh, uh, you know to quite frankly even have the cash available to make the, the payments. So uh, you know the taxes are a legit uh, legitimate real expense, and it's amazing how the government will jump in front of uh, in front of people. So well, so. I you know the five pillars are perfect, and uh, you know I think that they apply to really any business issue uh, that, that will be presented to you, and if you can successfully address the five pillars, then a lot of this will will handle itself, which is what makes it so great. You know, one of the other things that was, um, I didn't chime in because I wanted Bruce to do all the talking while we had him on the line, was, you know, a lot of these small businesses are borrowing money from a bank, and you know, deferring some of the income and, and accelerating expenses and so on and so forth, you need to be mindful that you're going to have to, uh, you've got a covenant package, you've got a bank agreement, you've got other things that you need to consider when uh, uh, planning those types of things because you want to make sure that you're compliant with, with your bank agreement. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I, uh, um, you know, it's it's the, the banker the bankers make it make it uh, you know they, I, there are many times when we're talking to entrepreneurs we hear them say things like you know they, they're doing something for the bank and I, I guess I just go back to the plan Jeff and if it's if it doesn't make sense in the plan um, you know they they really shouldn't do it so it's a uh, um, uh, you know it's it, it got to know where you're going and it will sure make these decisions a whole lot easier. So, uh, Brendan, this is the part of the show where I kind of throw it back to you, and I'm I'm looking for some gospel about uh, yeah. to share with our, our listeners. You know, Jeff, I was thinking about that. Knowing, I know you, this, that this was coming. Um, I don't know what that meant, but anyways, um, you know, it, it's interesting how how often Jeff we talk to entrepreneurs and how they talk, how they, they don't have cash, they don't have cash, and, uh, and they doing things for the tax planning. And, and I guess the the the, the bullet here is um, if you're not paying taxes. You're either not profitable, you're lying to yourself, or you're lying to the government. And all three of those are really, really bad things. So it comes down to cash flow, cash flow, cash flow, great financials, and planning. And then and then once you have those, it really frees you up to have the passion for the possibilities. <laughs> passion for possibilities. Well, I don't know how much time you've got left here because I'm out on assignment all the time. Oh. So you're going <laughs> to have seconds. to kind of sign seconds. you off. <laughs> you're going to sign off the show. We're going to reverse roles here. But you know what, Brendan? I think you can do it. I don't know. I, as you know, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm an ADD entrepreneur. I've, I've really got the couple things I got going. But we do appreciate it. Um, everybody uh, listening in again. This is uh, the second stage or the forum for entrepreneurial discussion. Please uh, uh, reach out to us. Ask us questions. We will find an answer. This is our passion, and we uh, look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in this week to the second stage. 
Please join Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson again next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And have a successful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.